What's up, guys? Justin Brock here with the Insurance Gurus Podcast. Got my co-host, Stephen Martinez, our Hello. Chief Marketing Officer. Today, we have an awesome guest from Georgia. You'll be able to, I don't even have to say it. You'll you'll hear it. You'll hear it. It's very, he sounds very Georgia. Uh, we got Hunter Davis, who's the COO of Elite. And some of you guys know or are, are, are familiar with Elite. They have a, a really strong Medicare Advantage team in Georgia and around uh, some other areas as well. Um, and they have a great system in place, a career channel, if you will. And uh, that's kind of what we want to talk about today is, um, you know, the difference in the success we see with agents who are in a controlled sales environment where they have a process to plug right into rather than guys that are just kind of throwing wet noodles against the wall and seeing what sticks. So uh, Hunter, thank you for being on buddy. Yeah, man. Happy to be here, buddy. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So how was your y'all's AEP? I know, I know it's daunting, but was it successful it, or? It, it, it ended up being successful, but man, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was different, man. Um, as you know, and I know, I, I feel like call centers have kind of ruined some of the integrity of, of some of these seniors. So it ended up being good, man. But about halfway through, I was like, holy crap, are we not, are we going to get there? Yeah. So we ended up uh, somewhere around 55 to 6,000 is what we ended up total, which is good for us. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I'm going to go ahead and give you a round of applause for that. It's good numbers there. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's awesome. So yeah, the call center uh, game has certainly changed the way seniors want to communicate because they're so, they're so gun shy to answer the phone now, um, you know, or, or do things. It's, it's like we're having to make uh, more contact attempts, having to go above and beyond to text them to create, um, you know, some sort of. And, and most of the times, it's not the stateside call centers; it's them hiring out the like Pakistani call centers that right. are just calling everybody. Man, I mean, I got somehow I got in opt-in data. And I've been watching those of yours, man. That's awesome. I had to put on Robo Killer on my phone. I swear to God, there were hours where I'd get thirty phone calls in an hour from telemarketers. I mean, it. it so I can only and, imagine. And so think about yeah, if you were a senior and your number ended up in that same. Why would I numbers? ever answer the phone again? I mean, so there, you, know, you know, there was uh, there was some of our field guys that would get finally get an appointment, and I mean, they were getting thirty and forty calls a day. You yeah. know, almost begging our field reps to say, "How do I make it stop?" Yeah, you know, so it it was it was tough, but at the end of the day, uh, one of your previous videos about the CRMs, the zaps, the stuff like that. I mean, yeah. those are the type of things that that help get around some of those bombarding calls. So, yeah, I think people need to watch and rewatch that and get involved. Yeah, so I tell you the um, uh, the the phone call thing too. I had a we had a client that said she went and changed her phone number because it was so bad. And the phone number that she got had also was also in, in that algorithm. So she you might have she to do it two or three times. Number and like, yeah, you just have to keep changing it until you find one that's not in there. Um, you I know, am. but I mean, opt in data too. So this is what a lot of people were saying like, okay, well, what's the legality of them just randomly calling? Well, it's technically they found this way where it's not a cold call because it's opt in data. What the hell is opt in data? What did they opt into? So I found it's out the cold call. that if you yeah, if you put like let's say ten years ago you threw your uh you you threw a a thing a little piece of paper in a box to win a Ford Fusion at the mall and Blue Green uh, the timeshare company uh, also called you back and said hey you might have won this you're now a finalist and then they 
they're trying to sell you a timeshare, but they say, by the way, are you interested in blah, 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 blah. And you say, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And they threw in health information in there. Well, now that's some opt-in data somewhere that, you know. Somehow, some way. Yeah, it's basically anything you ever responded to in the history of the world uh, could make you opt-in data. They probably never heard anything about what they actually were going for. Honestly, yeah. Some of these people, you have to wonder, is so far removed from the time that you opted in that you, like, if, if you tried to sue them, like, from the FTC perspective and say, well, I never opted in. Like, I don't know if they'd ever have a way to really prove that you didn't or did. It'd just be so far removed. So I just wonder. That, that's not, what's so scary, man. That's what's so scary because, the, you know, I've talked to some of the carrier reps and they even, some of them don't even like it, but they can't track, they can't trace it back. They don't know where it starts from. Like you said, you got the Palestinians yeah, the doing Palestinians. a warm up and then yeah. transferring it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. We, so we had a, uh, you know, I've had I've had carrier reps say the same thing. They have trouble tracking it, and this, it goes to, to even down to the the concept of uh, you know when they. And I'll say this: like we've had some, you know, in volume, and I'm sure you guys have dealt with this. Where we've had complaints. Most of them have been completely unfounded stuff. Um, but when you go to track that complaint, um, they don't even ask us the lead source. I have not one time been asked the lead source on a complaint, and so like. You know, if anything, they just want the scope. Yeah, they want they might want a copy of the scope, which they don't even really look into that much. They just want to know that you have one. And and then they don't but they don't ever say like like really make you prove the lead source. And I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't. It'd be a pain in the ass for the guys that are doing good business. Um, But, you know, that these call centers that are generating that stuff, they're not out there asking them where it really originated from. And and the problem is they're using third parties. So, you know, the third right. party is a lead generator or, you know, they're yes. the one providing the live or warm transfers. So a lot of the times they don't, they don't try to comply by all the rules of the industry. They're just trying to create the lead to just, so they're, they're trying to fulfill their order. Yeah. You know, so and, if you can't beat them, join them applies, you know, should some of us be looking to hire these same Pakistani call centers next year? I just don't think I could do it. I don't want to do it either, but I, I have friends. I have you a don't friend. want the client that comes through four or five transfers. I have a friend, and uh, he he actually uh, is one of the receiving end call centers of the these, uh, or he works for them. Mm-hmm. And they just said they had their best AEP ever by a long shot. Because of oh, the, and, that's, and that's where it's coming from. Because of that style of transfer. Because of that style yeah. of transfer. They're talking about a three hundred dollar telephonic CPA. Um, you know, which you know is good when you're, gonna if, say if, if you're doing, if you're doing that, that, that kind of really volume, good. if it's lowering your CPA, then why yeah. not? The, the thing is though, Justin, where, where do you, where do you reevaluate, right? So do you re- reevaluate in March yeah. or June and see how the longevity of that client really is? Yeah, that, that's the, that's something I, I'm, <clears throat> so some of the groups that are doing this are large publicly traded organizations and they can afford, you know, a lot of what they're doing is like it's the acquisition. So they're they're playing a different game than the average agent. The game is acquire this many, get this much marketing dollars. Um, you know, even if I have a three year average lifetime of a client, you know, for us that's terrible. For them, they might be like, "Wait, that's okay." I'm I did, you know, we did a hundred thousand of them. So if my profit margin per one is six hundred bucks before the marketing right. dollars. It caught me, cost me, you know, one or two years of premium, yeah. the third, fourth year. I'm, I'm profiting. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. I, mean, I see it. It's a whole different game. I yeah. mean, it's a whole. 
but it's convoluting it for the rest of us because how many like we have med sub clients and how many of my med sub clients do we end up finding out two years ago took out a medicare advantage plan from a company and see then then you'll get a field agent they'll go in the house and they'll be like who's your agent oh it's the brock agency and they'll be like well you got a medicare advantage plan and a supplement they screwed you i didn't write them the damn medicare advantage (laughs) plan how the hell am i supposed to know they had it and so then you it's get, not like they send you a letter. Yeah, them I don't know. And then they never canceled the meds up because why would I cancel the meds up? I didn't know they took out a Medicare Advantage plan. Then you got people on Facebook saying, oh, I got to report these agents. Stop reporting agents, first of all. If you're listening to That's this. low class, man. Do not report other agents. Move on. Help the people you can and move on. Reporting if agents. If the member is upset, let them report the agent. Yeah. Do, and don't. don't Hey guys, Justin Brock here interrupting our regularly scheduled programming to let you know that we thrive on the follower, the subscriber, and the reviewer. Please leave us a five-star review. Please follow the podcast. We're going to get so many guests on here. You're not going to want to miss it. And if there's anyone that you have in mind, please leave it in the review. Please leave a comment wherever you're at, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Those are all platforms that we are paying close attention to so that we can get out the information that you guys want. Please let us know who you want on the podcast, and please let us know what information you'd like us to cover. Thank you so much for listening. Now back to the regularly scheduled broadcast. I don't even I don't coach them to do it. Because I'll tell you this, we had an LOA that coached in a, coached one of the, the guys or encouraged them to report. They filed the complaint against somebody that cold called them, but they didn't know that person's name. And so they told the name of the LOA agent, who helped them do it. The complaint got filed against the LOA agent. There was no complaint against him, but they just yes. didn't understand the old person on the phone. Anyway. Uh, that happened, that's happened to us twice. Yeah. It's bad, very bad karma to go out trying to report. So, so you mean to tell me that you, you don't get paid for reporting agents? I, uh, it doesn't I make you handsomely. money. I get paid handsome. I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so it's so helpful, you know, to shut down. Uh, you know, it could, and these people like don't act like it's your competition either. Like we know, um, so there's just in Tupelo, I can name five other Medicare agencies really quick. I can tell you, I don't run into them that often. There's so Ooh. many people out there. Help who you can help and move on. And first of all, you might be getting. A, a, a dishonest story or half the truth, and then you're encouraged somebody to report something, and it might be somebody didn't even do anything. And if you've ever had a violation, and I guarantee you, if you're listening, if you stay in the business long enough, you'll have one. The first two that I had were on two PDPs, and the allegation from the client said that I told them they would never have to pay a copay for any drug. Now, that was not compliant presentation. <laughs> you were just trying to make the sale, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I just really wanted them PDP commissions, so I had to lie to get them, you know. I'm telling you, boy, you made that $40. Yeah, so I, I earned it with my lies. Or well, the one against me said that I didn't send him the summary of benefits, and I had the email where I'd emailed him the summary of benefits prior to the sale. Yeah. And that was the guy well, that we tried to talk into. Cash. That was actually a lawyer, and we tried to talk him into a med sup. Yeah. I did. And then I was out of town when he called back to follow up. So I asked Stephen to do it. Stephen sent him the summary benefits, everything. And he kind of demanded the Medicare Advantage plan. And then we took it out. And then two weeks later, he's filed a complaint to get off of it. And oh, wow. I'm like, like we, we tried. To, he was turning 65. And we're like, dude, you make 170000 a year. Just get a med sub and be done with it. You know, you can get a $95 plan G in Mississippi and you're turning 65 or 100 bucks. Like, well, this makes no sense. But that's what we told him. 
and he still filed a complaint against you. So if you're in the business long enough, you're going to get goofy complaints. And if you ever had to deal with one, it's so annoying that you wouldn't be out there trying to complain against other people because you know that there's false allegations that have been made all the time. And normally, man, you can tell when someone's coached. Yeah. You can tell when that complaint comes across if an agent's sitting there coaching them. Yeah. By the way it reads. Oh, yeah. T- tell them that they said that you're going to have to yeah. tell them that the agent lied to you because that automatically gets them their little special enrollment, you know, change. And I'm like, but the agent didn't lie to you like that, you know. But anyway, so outside of Pakistani and Palestinian call centers and, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and complaints and all that, uh, you guys have had a successful model for a long time. And what what's different about elite, you know, than um, than maybe you know some of the brokerage models that are out there that sink or swim models. So just a little backstory. So David David started elite just as a regular agent back in I think oh six oh seven when everything first came out. Mm-hmm. Just just want to be an agent. You know, grew it by friends wanting to work with him. Such and such went from five to ten. I came on and. 2010 as an agent. So rule number one, and I've read several of your posts too, is you can't lead agents if you've never been in the field before. So a lot of these FMOs, IMOs, even GAs are just trying to recruit for an override, which in my opinion is the wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, as, as we grew, um, we've always, were just a brokerage, right? So we only had street agents or GAs, but we just made an override. Mm-hmm. Up until, I think about a year and a half ago, mid actually mid-summer of last year when we, you know, David met, met Tyler with IFG. We, we spent some time with him, ultimately made a move to join his, his platform and program. And at that point, we were, that's when COVID hit. So I had friends, matter of fact, a brother-in-law of mine was out of a job. David had friends. Just, just people, good people, man. Just good middle class people that's making forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, losing their jobs. So, as you know, with we're predominantly Medicare Advantage. Well, July, July, August, man, you're making nothing on Medicare Advantage by the time you do leads and what have you. So, we decided we would try to create a model where it's a win-win for for us and the agent. Mm-hmm. So, we we call it a career agent model simply because we're trying to give give them a jump start to a career in this business. You know, you see over and over LOA's bad, LOA's terrible, LOA's trash, never assign your business to someone else. I mean, I know you hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. And and truth be told, we've always been a hundred percent against LOA. Just because of the horror stories back in the day where you want to leave, you couldn't leave, they keep your renewals, blah, blah, blah. So we got to think about diving into it, and we feel like we care. You know, we came up with a fair package um, where we pay a fairly substantial base salary plus tiered app bonuses, and we pay a backing renewal, which is fair because that's that's the renewal game is what everybody gets an MA side for, anyways. Mm-hmm. So technically, after they get five hundred clients, we'll allow them to go to street. They build a book of business, they have a renewal stream, and then truthfully, I feel like they can make it in the business at that point. Yeah. However, had I hired my brother-in-law in July on a street paid by the carrier, which everybody praises contract, he'd have been out in two months. Yeah. Could have made a living. Couldn't have, he couldn't have 
could not have supported its family. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how that started. And it's don't get me wrong, it's good for the upline. I mean, it's good for us. Yeah. But it's also good for that agent. And as as long as it's fair in both parties, and you let them know up front what's going on, or how this works, I think it's a win win. So it's been very successful for us. Our agents love the model. Uh, we, we've actually had to cut it off in some markets because you don't want to saturate a given market yeah. where you can't help the agents that you've already hired. Yeah. So, and I don't know if you work in Georgia, but this pretty saturated market here. It does seem like it, you know, we, I, I, I probably know more independent Medicare advantage focused agents in Georgia than any state collectively. Yeah, that's you know? true. Um, so it, it, it is a lot, you know, we, we, I can name a whole bunch of, them. I won't, I won't go into naming them. Let me just name some of the, I'm just kidding. <laughs> some of the largest brokerages are, are based in Georgia. I mean, you yeah. know, some Zach McKenzie, Keith, us. Yeah. I mean, you've got the Sheridans in North Georgia. That's just the people under our same umbrella. I yeah. mean, there's also Kingdom. I mean, it's just a lot of people right here. Yeah. So, the, and then you got, Senior Select has their little Medicare Advantage spinoff as an integrity element with Josiah Sweet and um, uh Will Thompson's working for my financial and doing a little bit of Medicare advantage there. They, they're, yes. I mean, I just know all of the, and that's just what I know. And I don't even live in Georgia. I, I know more Georgia Medicare advantage agents than I know Mississippi. Was. <laughs> they, and that's, that's, that's crazy, man. So, you know, it's, I read the posts on, you know, some of these Facebook groups and do, I don't disagree that there are some LOA models that are not structured correct. Right. Yeah. So there are some that are just a hundred percent in favor of the FMO. It's it's oh, your LOA. We're not going to do. We're not doing anything for you. Basically, they're a brokerage model that are that has the commissions assigned to the upline. And, and that's terrible. Uh, and that is terrible. That is the uh, terrible model. Yeah, that's the so, one you want to avoid. You know, ours is. But you should be able to spot that pretty easily. You know, once something like that's presented to you. Yeah. And I like y'all's because it's kind of a high, it's in between what mine is and and mine is like a full blown career model like we're bringing you in and uh, you know uh, you know basically paying every single expense having a salary having a commission we're paying a renewal um, and we we take the majority of the commission uh, but they're we're paying a base salary and we're and we're giving them such a high volume of free lead flow. And I mean, a lot of it's high quality lead flow, walking in the door, calling in um, and it's high quality branded lead flow. Um, But yours is kind of like a model where they are putting in some work on their side, going out and visiting people and stuff like that. But you're paying them enough on the front end and you have a a lead model where you can support and help get them to the right people. So it's kind of in between what mine is. And the thing with mine is like you said, I don't need, a hundred people in that. I honestly need 10, you know, and if I had 15, most of the year I wouldn't be able to support them. So I have to, it's like a control of how many of those LOA agents can we even support in that model? I mean, I can't make, uh, you know, I can, I've made, we've done a pretty good job making people walk in the door and call in, but it's not something you can just turn on like a water spigot, you know? Um, And so for you guys, you could probably based on the way you're doing it, get more agents but you still got to temper it because like especially in a geographic yes. location because if you're running lead flow or calling on people or um you know because i believe you guys do some appointment setting too don't you is that in there yeah so yeah we it's, and truth be told man that's how we built our brokerage right is as we have we've always had a call center where they set preset appointments with them you know seos direct mail agent supply leads 
Uh, we've had David Creek. He started that when it was just him. He had one caller for himself, and then it's just snowballed. I think right now I have a little over 20 upstairs that calls and sets appointments. Um, nice. So I guess what I'm saying to that is that our career agents that are in the field, they just wake up and go to work, yeah. right? They you have can no take a hardworking guy that you know is smart enough to learn the information and you can turn them into an agent, whereas maybe they weren't a entrepreneur, start a business from scratch, eat right. beans and weenies, make my family suffer for six. And there's some guys that can do that. And that the brokerage model, yeah. the brokerage model basically fields, you know, everything out and will let you know pretty quickly who's going to actually, you know, survive. And it's a really small percentage that do, you know, they talk about the 92%, but uh, man, I'd say it's less than that. Like on a full straight brokerage be, on model. On MA only, it's less than that. Yeah. It's just too, it, it requires, like when I talk to these people and I'm, and they're going brokerage, I'm like, um, you know, I want you're going to go balls to the walls, working your ass off, negative money the first year, you know, eating, you know, leftover cornbread and old pizza the second year. The third year, you might be able to go lease a Prius. Uh, you know, it takes, I mean, and so with these people are like, I made a hundred thousand the first year. Well, first of all, oh, what did. they're telling you is they're, they're first, they're probably selling life insurance, you know, oh. and now they're going to have trouble making more than that. Plus they're not telling you what they spent to I was do that. Say, what was the net? Yeah. That? They're, they're never oh, talking. The net? Net. Right. Yeah. What if, the net? if my gross revenue is a billion dollars, but my profit margin is 1%, then I made a million. Or I made two, uh, whatever ten million, so it's it's a it's a huge difference when you're talking about net. You know, if my gross revenue is a uh, hundred thousand, but I made ten percent, then I made ten grand. So you know, it's very 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 different to think about that. And you gotta you gotta look at those expenses of I was I put forty thousand miles on a car. You know how many? What kind of car can you get? Where if you put forty thousand, like you can't get a brand new car, put forty thousand miles a year on it, and uh, three years you're upside down in a car that's got a whole bunch of problems, and you still owe because now you're financing them for nine years. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of expense concepts in it that are very difficult for people, and and I and and I don't tell people go broker or LOA. We have both, you know, models. We let them choose. Yeah, I, I just let them choose. I mean, I think there are people that should go broker for sure. Um, it's just, it's not a one size fits all. And Facebook tries to make it a one size fits all. And a lot of the people that are giving advice make $28,000 a year and shouldn't be giving advice to anyone. Well, Hunter, you said that at 500 clients, you guys allow them to go street. I mean, I imagine yes. there's probably a bunch of agents that get to that point and decide I'm still not ready. I just want to continue doing what I'm doing. doing, this way I'm doing I have, I do. I, I have two or three that are, probably by the end of this year would be there. And they're like, I don't know if I want to be off the model. You know, I don't know if I want to tackle doing the leads, trying to figure out where I need to be. Cause I mean, we do it all. Right. So. Yeah. yeah what's funny is they get 500 and, clients, they go street, they got some renewals, but now they're having to go create all that on their own. But, but right. 500 clients staying with you guys, letting it go on. Honestly, when they go street, they're going to have to understand that now they're taking a, a cliff off in, in lifestyle because now yes. they got to go and rebuild some functions or they could just kind of keep going like this right. and, you know, and make more and more money working under the umbrella. Um, I'd say probably over time, the longer you guys do that, you'll be have more and more higher and higher percentage of people that are just stay. saying, I'll just, I'll just stay. Why not? Why not? What's the point? You know, why, why leave? So a, a good example is one of the guys I have that, 
we hired um, towards the end of last year. He was laid off um, from the ports in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, not an entrepreneur, he was a welder. Yeah. Right. So he, he he was looking for a job. He was struggling. Failed his health test twice. Finally passed it. Fast forward to now, his first full year with us on that career model, he'll make ninety two thousand dollars. Yeah. Year one. So he's thinking so, I mean, comparing to what yeah, he's he used to, it. he's thinking, why would I what do I why would I change something that's working so well for me? Only expense he had is gas, because he's a field agent. That's yeah. it. So yeah. I mean th- my point, like when we were texting, is that there's a place for LOA career. There's a place for brokerage, but those people that slam it without knowing what it can do for an agent's livelihood, yeah, I just disagree. Yeah, the the real answer to brokerage versus LOA should be when you're getting involved. Look at what the value proposition is, and right. and I'll tell you what kills me is people that want to be brokers but come to me asking about the value proposition, and I'm like, the value proposition is you get the lion's share of the money. So at this point, you know, based on the success rate of brokers, until you prove yourself, I can't do a whole lot for you. Now, if you get a broker that's a downline that's like, I'm like, I got Josh Lustig's one of ours, and he's very self-sufficient and writing a whole bunch of business. Obviously, I'm going to help those types of guys more because of the, just the sheer volume of what they're doing. But most guys, I mean, you get a guy doing – you know, a hundred Medicare plans a year and he's slightly above street and you're making, you know, a couple percent here or 50 bucks an app here or whatever. There's not a whole lot more you can do for him really, other than maybe an AEP when the money, you know, the purse strings get cut loose, you can throw him some free leads or something. Um, or you can, you know, cut him a, a small marketing check, but you like they, some of them act like, you know, I need this and I need this and I need this. I'm like, well, you know, there's this thing called LOA and <laughs> then we can give you that. Or you at least got to take a way lower level. I honestly, I don't want to, I can't give away a whole bunch of stuff until I know some, if you get somebody that's already successful somewhere else and they're like, Hey, I don't like where I'm at and I'm coming over to you. Um, you know, of course you can make different promises based on what you know is a proven track record, but these brand new agents, I, I, I love brand new agents. I think the, uh, industry needs them. We need new blood all the time coming in, new energy. Um, but you know, you have to understand that if they're going to be on the broker model, you got to prove yourself before you really deserve to be able to ask for anything. Well, that and and I know it's probably not common knowledge. And I know you talk about things a lot on your podcast and Facebook and stuff like that. But you said it best, man. I mean, even as an FMO, I mean, we're top line in some carriers. Sometimes we're not, but. An agent makes two and a half to three times more than me and you make as an upline, right? So yeah. we're not going to spend more than you spend on your leads. It's just that's, that yeah. doesn't work like that. Some of them don't want to invest in themselves at all and want you to do it for them. And they're like, well, I don't have any money. I'm like, yeah, well, I didn't either when I started out. So good luck. That's just you the know? way it goes. <laughs> Drunk, figure like, it out. No, I, yeah. I didn't even – like when, we get, when, when I got into it, um, because my dad was an agent, he didn't talk about uplines. He's just like, here's these contracts. I didn't even know who the upline on them was. Had no idea. Uh, eventually, I met the uplines, and I became good friends with a lot of them. Um, but that took a couple of years before I even really acknowledged that an upline supported you in any way. For me, it was, this is what the commission is. Go out and write business. Some people think the level that's on their contract dictates how much they get paid. 
And, but the number one factor and indicator of what you're going to get paid is your effort, your output, and how many people are you talking to. Yeah, and I think some of that's the internet. You know, these brand new agents are seeing out there, and then there's there's a lot of FMOs or uplines that are over promising things, and so they see that, and yeah. then they come to you where you're providing real value, and they're like, "Well, this other person's telling me they're giving me this, this, and this, mm-hmm. but are they are they showing you the way? Are they?" setting appointments for you? Are they providing some value to you that you can say, yes, they're earning that? Well, and this is identifying a couple of different cancers in our industry. One we talked about earlier, in my opinion, is the Pakistani transfer. Uh, That's a cancer (laughs) on the industry. Two is a recruit on comp MLM. Why is it a cancer? Or the the free leads. The free free leads, which is basically uh, a list of people turning 65. Hey, buddy, you don't even got to get appointed. I'll go to t65.app. Integrity, just put it out there for everybody. You can get all the T65 door knocks you want for free anywhere. Um, But, you know, Mutual of Omaha will give you a damn list. That's not leads. Um, That's cold data. You know, I, I, I will let you know. You contract with us. I will give you free cold data all day long. <laughs> all day. You have all the cold data you want to. It oh, don't cost me much of nothing. I probably got a whole bunch of it laying around. It'll give you a thousand a month. It's not high <laughs> quality. And I mean, even uh, even one of the guys online that's been saying for a long time to build your practice cold calling. And um, and now that's Mr. Christopher Westfall up in uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. He years ago was talking about it. And the other day I saw somebody share one of his posts that, he uh, he's saying now you'd better look into a different way than cold calling raw data, and or yeah. or even hiring you know overseas people. You better figure out how to market yourself differently because those those days are getting harder and harder. Like you said, you're having to text them, you're having to warm that number up before you can even get them to answer the phone now. So it's a whole <laughs> lot harder. And so one guy cold calling on his own raw data is not the way, you know, you, you know, like you guys got a team of people calling and technology trying to get them on the phone. Most people don't have that, you know, and it's still harder for you guys than it probably was last year. So, Oh yeah. I would say, I say it was twice as hard as last year, man. I mean, yeah. last year we were, we were, you know, 80% of goal four weeks in. I mean, we yeah. hit goal this year with the last week. I mean, it was, it was tough. Yeah. Well, MLM uh, cold or MLM culture is something that I think is bad for the industry. And I'll I'll tell you why I think it's bad. We need new blood. And so I do like that they bring in new people, but they bring them in on compensation, which means nothing. doesn't matter what your, your point level is. They bring them in with a recruit, 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 recruit mentality, sink or swing. Mm -hmm. I would, I would, I used to refer to it as the Aflac model, but now Aflac started it. I feel like, but other, all these other ones have, perfected it now um there's there's brokerages that are doing it like crazy several of them uh, mostly on the life side but they pivot into medicare too and unfortunately they're um it's it's getting very uh bad for us because there's going to be all these people that got into the industry and right out of it and the word of mouth in the marketplace is going to be yeah i tried that it's it's they're they all lie to you and so then even the good people, just like us with the Pakistani call centers, now even when the good people are calling or, or recruiting and saying, well, we do have a good opportunity. Yeah, my buddy tried that. He right. went with uh, WFLG, which, you know, some other, you know, I, I, that's, a, that's a hodgepodge acronym. You take, take from it what you want there. Uh, but I gathered it. I gathered it. You, you, you got to say it. He went with this random hierarchy, and it was, uh, it, it was a bust. They promised a whole bunch of stuff. And then now you're having to sell – 
against that, even if you have a quality opportunity. I might be you talking know, I mean, about a salaried position with free with lead flow and a huge opportunity like your buddy that's making ninety two thousand, you know, a year in. He might be talking about that opportunity, but now it's getting stacked up to being compared to going to work for Aflac, which everybody correct. knows is not a you know. It, I mean, there are people that work make a ton of money at Aflac, but we know how many of them don't to get to that one that does. Yes, and then they try to recruit so, in to sell their one market, you know. So I'm. He, I see it on. I, I see it on the client side too, Justin. Is that you, you have untrained agents that come into the business? What you see it all the time. I see it all the time. They come in. They see. They hear about the residuals. They hear about the money you can make in Medicare, right? So they come in. They've been selling FP. They've been selling mortgage protection. Whatever. No offense. To, I have great agents that do that, but some of them just don't get it. They go out there and, and write all these plans, not really knowing you know, what QMB is, right? Or extra help or LIS or any of that. They write them a plan. Well, now you see it where you go back a year later and present a particular plan with any carrier. And like, oh, I tried it and they put this trash. Yeah. You know, this agent signed me up last year is trash. So you, you see it on the broker's side too. We get calls all the time. And it's like, hey, so my FMO does a 50-50 co-op and they do this and they do this and they do this. I'm like, well, that's great. You stay with them. Why are you calling me? Yeah. Well, they told me they would do that, but they're not. <laughs> right. So the same as you said, you, you know, you, you get these agents flopping in and a lot of promises that aren't kept with FMO. Some of them don't care. Yeah. I mean, some of them are, are building for other reasons. Well, there's there's building no consequences or, or repercussions for the upline that doesn't provide that. What, I mean, what yeah. you leave, yeah. you know, it, a lot of them are. Yeah, I was going to say, they're, they're just making overrides. They're not having to do anything for you anyway. So it's like, I'll just recruit the next guy that will give me that replacement. Well, how, you know, you, what you had too is people right now are building to sell themselves, sell the business. And then some of them have sold already, but they have other metrics they have to hit for their earnout. They no right. longer care about the long-term viability of the brand name as much as they did. They might say they do, but they didn't. They don't really care about it as much as they did when they owned it flat out and their name was on the wall. Um, now it's like, yep, that's uh, Integrities or Amerilife. Because when you owned it, it was your baby, and now you're just babysitting. Yeah. Now I'm like babysitting, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I got to hit these metrics to get my earn out, and then three years in, I'm gone. Um, you know, and and that's you know, I'm not saying that to dog any of them. I just think it's bad for the industry because they're going to make a whole lot of bad promises. Um, thankfully, if you have businesses like yours, like ours that are doing things the right way over time, um, it'll la- it'll outlast that because there is a consumer need for our existence. And, and, and I think the call centers, I don't think the call centers have long-term viability. I think it's fat. I think, uh, I think there are good call centers. Don't get me wrong. Like my buddy Jagger Esh, you know, runs a great one. It's a med sup first Medicare advantage. Second is kind of hit their philosophy, but what they're doing is going after T 65 traffic. And, um, that T 65 traffic is, is a lot of med sup in there. And then they pivot to Medicare advantage when they need to, but it's not necessarily that it's about Medicare Advantage or MedSup. It's just that the call centers that go after Medicare Advantage are just like plan flipper, plan flipper, plan flipper, yep. you know. And it's 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 I, I drew an image on the board in Topeka uh, Advisors Excel of Trogdor, the Burninator Dragon. Said so one of them's eHealth, one of them's Benefit, one of them's uh, you know Select Quote, and they're all kind of eating each other's business. It seems like, and then so in their profit reports and their stock prices, you can kind of see it happening. And um, I just don't know that they care in the long run because they're getting so much money out of it in the interim that the people that are 
you know, running it and in charge of it five, six years from now, I'm not sure that they they care. And I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know those guys or I don't know them that well. Um, but the model's different. It's a it's a scale with Definitely speed model. It's not a, a hundred year business model, in my opinion. So I, I had a conversation with, with Dave and here a few weeks ago and also I know you said Matt Murray was on yesterday. Um we were just simply saying that I feel like field agents are gonna be around, right? If they can hold on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a slow process, in my opinion, for field agents to be able to get back out and go. Because, like you said, I, I don't see it being a longevity play simply because eventually people are going to get tired of answering the yeah. I mean, they're just going to be – I don't trust – it's going to cycle, like you said earlier, like agents do, where people don't trust being sold over the phone, right? Because when you have call centers selling somebody a $50 give back that's on full Medicaid, they don't like you said. It's burn. It's burn and turn. It's yeah. time to go. You know, if, if if everything, if every service in the world goes virtual, and every every product sale goes virtual, and everything's virtual, where the hell is everybody going to work? You know, there's not this this concept of like you know that that's just the future. I don't buy. I do think field agents need to start thinking like building a resource center. So after they get a certain amount of clients, and they have, a, I do believe in pushing people to open field offices in small towns. Like you got an office in Metter, Georgia. You got an office in Tupelo, Mississippi. You got all these different towns. You build these resource centers, and the people will come to the resource center because the service industry locally is pretty strong. In the southeast, I think retail is still decent too. Um, you yeah. know, in other areas, it's bad, and that causes us to lose stores and things. But I think the service industry future is strong if you build based on service, based on being a resource center. And um, you will survive. And I think I kind of equate it to real estate 2008, 2009. So many agents got out of real estate, right? And yep. then the ones that stayed in it got really wealthy when they stayed the course because as it rebounded, when people started buying houses, they were going to the real estate agents that were still in the market. And now there weren't that many, right? And so they, they were right. they were getting a much uh, larger share of that pie over the years. Uh, same thing when Obamacare was signed on the under 65 health market, a whole lot of people like dipped out like, oh, this is the death of independent insurance. And there's always this like cataclysmic like, oh, there's going to be Medicare for all. There's going to be things like that. My dad what has been in the industry since 1990. And he said, every time the government tries to screw up this business, I make more money. And mm-hmm. it's, it's true. Like you got Medicare Advantage, you get Part D, you got ACA. It's all for the people that stayed around. They made more money. Well, I think the other aspect of it is, you know, with the call centers is, is it only takes one time for the client to not have faith anymore. And so they're, you know, think about they're starting Medicare at 65. And by the time they're 75, they've probably made, you know, three or four plan changes, at least a drug plan change. Yeah. But right. all it takes is one time for them to be burned by the call center. And then the next year, they're going to seek out somebody local, somebody personal, somebody that they can have a face-to-face conversation right. with. And so that's where you're going to benefit because you're there to catch that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's exactly – that's what I was saying is, you know, local branding, stuff like that. Field agents where they want someone to come sit down with them and explain it. Like you said, it's only going to take one time for them to get burnt and they're done. Yep. yep. So – um, I think there will always be a need and value for that that retail that again that set down that face to face conversation. This I, 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 I was listening to uh, uh, Freakonomics is a podcast I used to listen to. They'd break down some like data, and they were talking about the service industry, like certain industries that will never go online fully. Um, and 
one of them was they were they were using mortgages as an example, and they started reading like the legal language behind mortgages, right? And it was like uh, ridiculous, like the, the just to try to understand the concepts and like to think that somebody is really qualified to go on and pick out their own mortgage online, like the average person, you know. Um, and then uh, you know, because they'd all get into uh, three 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 arms or whatever and have it skyrocketing interest rates down the road. Um, and the same thing, Johnny said, uh, uh, Johnny told me yesterday, something like, well, it's all going online. And I said, cause he was talking about, um, ACA shopping. Like he, we had an ACA shopper that went and enrolled themselves online on healthcare.gov. And I was like, first of all, all it takes is, cause I hear this all the time. One time that they burned themselves to be like, I ain't doing that anymore. File their taxes and File they have, that, taxes. <laughs> have they, to pay all that subsidy back. <laughs> exactly. And then another thing I told Johnny, I was, I was like, dude, the most profitable products they have are ancillary products like hospital indemnity, cancer, DVH. And we sell a bunch of that with it. These insurance companies are always going to need that to make it float. Because if you talk to a med sub company, for instance, they'll tell you a lot of them price the med sub to really not make any money for years. And I'm sure MA is the same way there. It's a long-term investment for them. They, they love to get that ancillary premium in there to help them, you know, boost their profits year one. It's kind of like us selling a final expense policy because really I don't make money for the first year on the Medicare advantage sale because of the cost that goes into it. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I said, how many people do you know that are going on health Sherpa or healthcare.gov or medicare.gov and upselling themselves to a cancer policy, a final expense policy, all these different things. So, and that's one reason I would tell people to sell ancillary because it is, you know, it is a good benefit when a customer needs it, but it's also part of the business where you're actually selling something. Sometimes if you get too fixated on zero premium MA, zero premium MA, okay, now you're not really a salesman. You're just kind of enrolling. Um, a lot, and a lot of those people are not going to buy hospital indemnity plan, but 0% of them will buy it if you never bring the damn thing up. So if you don't ask, right. So I think a lot of them will buy it if you bring it up. uh, We're, we're a terrible example. What a good example is, is we never did anything. We never did any of that. It was all MA, MA, MA. And then, you know, we, we joined, we did, we had some DTL contracts back in the day and we pedal like one every six months. Yeah. So when we, we joined Tyler and we got got it going with that and Hartland is kind of one we kind of lean on. Yeah. Um, you know, we have Edna on some of those others, but not only does it help the agent, but it helps the agency owner too, man. I mean, there's a yeah at the end of the day, those clients feel a hundred percent better when they made that choice, right? When they yeah. are pretty well protected from those copays in the hospital or or wherever they they choose those plans are amazing yeah they have a great value and yeah. so you know dvh does too but hospital indemnity if you're selling ma and you're not offering it that's a disservice to the client yeah it doesn't matter how much i tell somebody what their hospital copay is they're always mess pissed off when they have to pay it so if you got yes. that hip in there and um and they call and they're pissed off and like oh did you file it on this hospital indemnity plan no well yeah just send us a bill we file it and then they get a check and it paid their hospital copay now you look like a hero, and now they keep that plan forever. <laughs> yes. And you've that's got a awesome, Raven fan. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a good thing. Awesome. Well, look, buddy, appreciate you being on here today. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of craziness going on in the industry, but glad to uh, you know have friends like you that are building good long-term vision businesses that uh, you know actually add value to the agent and the client. 
Uh, and uh, if, if if there's any agents out here listening that want to take advantage of of the career model you have going on, where can they find you, Hunter? Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook, obviously under Hunter Davis. Um, our website is elite-insgroup.com is our website. We have a contact us on there. Not as pretty as Brock's, but it's still there. Um, <laughs> we can, we can help you with I'd, that. I'd wrap, I'd wrap it up with is is I would I want to use you, Brock, too, because I know your dad was was in the business already. But what you built was based on what you started as an agent, right? So yeah. David um, Wilson, the owner of Elite Insurance, started as an agent, mm-hmm. hired a couple of friends. His friends told other friends, and it's you know now we have somewhere to the tune of four hundred agents. Mm-hmm. I'm saying all that to say. It is possible. You don't have to start. try to start from the top, right? You don't need to come out and start calling Justin or me and wanting an MGA or FMO contract with three agents. That's not how it works. Yeah. Every time, build a business, build an agency, and, and there's plenty of room out here for it. Yep, absolutely. I agree. We got to try to start protecting the integrity of what the contract levels actually mean a lot more. They just get thrown around to anybody. I mean, there's so many – I've I've run into people that you know really pissed me off in the past that had higher contract a higher contract level with me on a contract and it was like two guys and you know their mom or something and I'm like here we are producing tons and tons of business for this and you get paid more per application than me like that's ridiculous that somebody handed you that Um, you know of course then it made me go like I need that level. Tyler, whatever, <laughs> you know. But, of course. Uh, so but, my, my thing is I had somebody have, I mean, they already had it. Yeah. They had an FMO contract, and I'm not going to throw any carries under the bus. But you probably could guess. They had an FMO contract with their son and mother under them yeah. with this carrier. I, here I, I know exactly who it is because it's the same one I was thinking of where there's somebody like, really? on, online that said, wow, I got this FMO contract with this carrier. I'm so proud of myself. And I'm like, you know, and then and then I was in a one year lockout period from even being moved to it. So I'm I think that's up in February. I'm supposed to get, but they, but anyway, I know the carrier you're talking about because it's uh. How, how do you have no parameters, right? Yeah. I mean, here we are writing thousands upon thousands of this carrier per year, and it took us six years to get there, and now it's just oh, I got they got yeah. two agents write twenty two apps a year. That's one thing I like about Aetna Medicare Advantage. Yes. It's one of the yes. biggest pains in the ass. Is to climb their ladder in comparison mm-hmm. to others, but at but least right they way. have the real parameters. But I think what's yeah. going to happen is they're going to go just to doing it just like everybody else because they're going to get petitioned to do it that way by the biggest hierarchies because the biggest yeah. hierarchies don't care. They want to be able to hand everybody the top comp and be like, ha, 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 we beat you on comp, you know, and no value proposition, but that, that's what they want to do because I've seen it ha- time and time again, people getting handed contracts that – I mean, I've I've learned that I I qualified for certain levels with certain carriers from guys that were much smaller than me telling me they got offered it by another hierarchy, and I'm just like, you know, and then but you know, and and, and now we a lot of the levels we get, I actually do feel like we have qualified yeah, for, and we've earned it like building good quality high persistency mm-hmm. business, um, you know, and, and some of these guys, I just yeah, that, that's another cancer. Talking about th- three cancers of the indus- insurance industry. So that yeah, that's what we're going to that's what we have to call this one: the three cancers of the insurance industry. But uh, no, Henry, we appreciate you being on here. If you guys enjoyed today, please subscribe to the podcast or follow on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We post them as videos and audio files everywhere. And uh, please give us a five star review. Any platform that allows that really helps us out. Thank you for being on, Hunter. We'll talk again soon. I'm sure, buddy. 
Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good day, man. You Thanks, too. Hunter.